Well, it's a pleasure to have you here this evening, at, and it's wonderful to be here. It's always a blessing to come see kindred spirits. It truly is. I do not know who put on a delicious meal and all the decorations, but you deserve a reward. You truly do. So I know that's a lot of hard work organizing, putting all that together. Uh, I've been a pastor for a little over five years, and so sometimes a lot of things get dropped in your lap, and so I appreciate all the help, and so you deserve a medal. You truly do, and so I'm serious. I'm not joking about it. You truly do. It's a lot of hard work. Praise God for each and every one of you. It's great to see a lot of old faces. I'm sorry I don't remember your name. I'm 40 years old, and I'm losing my memory, Um, but... Um, if you can do me a favor and remind me of your name, that would be great. I would be grateful for it. I truly would. But it is a blessing to be here. Every the staff, everyone here has been truly hospitable to us. Um, a great blessing to us so far, and I hope we can be a blessing to you just as much as you've been a blessing to us so far. Um, if you have your Bible, if you would turn with me. I am sorry it's not going to be a Christmas message. I ho- I'm sorry I burst your bubble. But if you would, turn to Matthew chapter number 6. When Brother Armacost was out at our church presenting the ministry to Myanmar. And so he presented the opportunity to come out here and preach to you all. And so um, through Pastor Mitchell, I appreciate him allowing us to come, taking care of us, truly taking care of us, more than what we deserve. And so if you just would have brought us out here, that would have been good enough. Um, But praise God for... Um, your generosity, but I've been praying over what the Lord would have me to give to you. Um, being a pastor for five years, you learn a lot quickly that Bible college doesn't teach you. Where's all the Bible college students? I'm, I'm going to see you tomorrow, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and so I have a special message for you, but there's a lot that Bible college just does not teach you, um, but you learn quickly, and so Um, I want to be a help and encouragement to you as much as I possibly can this evening. And so if you look at Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to draw our attention to verse number 5 and following. And I hope this is a help. As I tell my church, take some notes. Don't depend on your memory memory brink to remember what I say. You might not want to remember what I say. (laughs) Amen. But I hope you have something portable that you can take home with you this evening. Um, Verse number 5, we all know the context of this, so I will not go into the history of the Sermon on the Mount. But here we find in verse number 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse number 6, But thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. This evening I want to bring a brief message on the secret place. The secret place. Here in this portion of scripture, you'll find the Lord emphasizing this little phrase or this word secret. I believe that God is trying to teach us something um, about the secrets of life. 
this place, and it's wonderful to be back on this campus and just looking around, seeing what the Lord has done in this place. Can I encourage you tonight, church? God is not done. Amen? He's not done. And so he wants to do more. You silver saints that are out there, amen? You senior saints, God's not done with you. Can I encourage you tonight? God called Moses at the age of 80, if I'm correct. And so he's not done with you yet. So don't throw in the towel on Jesus Christ. So he has something for you to do, and we're going to learn that tonight. But let me encourage you, as I tell my church and wherever I preach, I know in an audience of this size, there are some burdens that you are bearing. As we were singing songs, I was just scanning the audience, just looking at you as you look at me. I know sometimes that can be awkward, right? But I know we carry burdens. I know we have heartaches. My, oh, my. I know we have infirmities. Just a lot of cares that are just wrapped up deep in our soul. And we have a place to go to help us. And so as I tell my people, pray along with me. Do me a favor. Mind the Holy Spirit this evening, amen? And let God have his way with you. Let's pray if you would. Father in heaven, we are ever grateful that we have a great God. Thank you for Jesus Christ and truly the, the riches and glory that we have in him. Lord, we know by thy great power and thy might, Lord, you have brought us out of the depths of despair. Lord, you have placed our feet on the solid rock and established our goings. And we praise you for the grace that you bestowed upon us and Lord, as I'm reminded even now, Lord, help us not to frustrate the grace of God, Lord, that has been given unto us. I pray that you would bless each and every person that's in attendance tonight, those that are watching live stream. I ask that you would work among us. Lord, you have something special this evening for this group of people. And so I pray that our hearts would be opened. Lord, Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Truly, there's room in our hearts for you. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to bring the burdens to Jesus at this moment. Lord, we might be overwhelmed, weary, tired. But help us, Lord, to truly cast all of our cares upon you, for you care for us. I pray that you do a mighty work. Undertake, Lord, as... Lord, I take hold of this word, your word, undertake for me. And I pray that you'd be glorified through it. We ask in your heavenly name, Jesus, amen. In the 1880s, a young man who was an earnest Christian found employment in a pawn shop. Although he disliked the work, he did it faithfully as unto the Lord until a more desirable opportunity opened to him. To prepare himself for a life of Christian service... He wrote on a scrap piece of paper the following resolutions. I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have few minutes, no less than five, in private prayer. I will endeavor to conduct myself as a humble, meek, and zealous follower of Jesus. And by serious witness and warning, I will try to lead others to think of the needs of their immortal souls. I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters in God's word every day. 
I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and will yield myself a prisoner to the love of the Redeemer of this world. That young man was William Booth. William Booth. William Booth at a young age understood something valuable that each and every one of us here this evening need to understand. And our Lord is revealing it in this portion of Scripture. And I know you've heard messages upon messages on this text. But I'm going to remind you, church, that we have a solemn duty as God's people to enter into a place that is so often neglected. And it's prayer. You know, sometimes I think it's harder to pray than it is just harder to do the work in the ministry. It does. And so may the Lord help us tonight as we look at this. I just have five simple things that I want to give you from this portion of Scripture. Really found in verse number 6, we know that looking at verse number 5, God does not want us to be like the hypocrites or to just praying out in public for the praise of men. So the things we do is not for the glory. And may I just say this? It does say in Proverbs 27 too, let another man praise thee and not thy own mouth. And so we need to give recognition to where recognition is due. And so just as much of all you that have labored tonight, praise God for every one of you. You know, one thing I've found in Christian services, we need a lot of encouragement. We just do. You know, the Apostle Paul says we can get weary in well-doing. We truly can. But don't. Amen? It's easier said than done. But this is how we truly get refreshment in our life. If you draw your attention to verse number 6, we find... Our Lord says this, and I believe every word in, the, in God's word is there for a reason. He says, but thou, but thou. I want to stop there for, and make this emphasis here in this portion of the scripture. You see, the secret place that God has given each and every one of us is, for, is designed for the disciple of Jesus Christ. Can I remind you of some simple truths found in God's word? Travel along with me, if you would. Do me a favor. Let's open up the word of God. Let's travel a little bit. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 10. I want to show you a glorious passage in the, this book of Hebrews grows fonder to me the more I grow in the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 10 we find in verse number 19 saying, Having therefore, brethren, boldness. This word boldness means liberty. You know, when you got saved, great liberty was extended unto your soul. Just not in being delivered from the penalty of sin... But God has placed great grace upon you in this area. And here in verse 19 it says, We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. And here it is, let us draw near. That's an admonition given unto us as God's people. Let us draw near. God, Jesus Christ, has made this way for you and for me to come into this holy place. And he says in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 6, he says, but thou. He's not addressing a whole, just a whole bunch of sinners. No, he's detailing his disciples. But thou, once you come. Amen. I have a special place for you that you just need to bathe yourself in. Actually, just better yet, just live there. Amen. But thou, this place Jesus Christ has shed his blood for. Some simple thoughts. But consider this. The whole point of Christ coming to this earth is to reconcile us back to the who? Father. That's it. And so Jesus Christ, if he 
paid the penalty for our sin and has created us a way for us to actually have communion. So far since we have been back on campus here, we've been just talking with one another, some, some old friends that we have here, just trying to catch up, and it's been a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time to catch up. But communion is a different story. Communion deals with the depths of your soul and what's really transpiring deep down in your heart. You see, the way I grew up in life, I had, due to the circumstance of my life, my mom my dad divorced when I was young, six years old. My dad, praise God, got right with the Lord, started taking us back to church. And this is where I really heard the, the gospel for the first time at the age of 12. But the Lord has done a wonderful work to bring us unto himself, to reconcile us back to God. And we have a wonderful duty, my friend, to understand the value of this place and what it actually took for him to actually allow us to approach unto him. I think so many times we just get so bogged down with the methods. I remember hearing a quote the other day saying, in our church services, we, we sing our songs, we, we sing our specials, and we lay down the track and we say, Holy Spirit, come, but come on my time. That's not the way it works. You see, God has a design for us that we need to follow, and it's found truly in the secret place. A man that ceases to pray ceases to actually express faith in God. A prayerless soul is a Christless soul. May the Lord help us to see the emphasis that God is trying to place on this, on this secret place. And here in this, this portion of Scripture, in Hebrews chapter number 10, Christ paved the way so we can actually enjoy the fellowship with Him. I don't know if you've ever pulled out, poured out your soul to anyone before. Maybe we have a lot of spouses here. You might have poured out your soul to them. But God wants you to pour your soul out to him this evening. Do you think that he doesn't know what you're going through? Do you think he's oblivious to the circumstances of your life? No, he knows it right well. He truly does. And he has paved the way for us to enter into this place. May sin not hinder us to actually fleeing unto our refuge. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Here's another portion of scripture that I found. I greatly rejoice in my life. Considering in context what our Lord has done with us and for us. In verse 18 of Ephesians 2. It says, for through him, talking about Jesus Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So this place is designed for you and for me, those that are born again saved. I don't, I was downtown Boston Tuesday night, soul winning, out in the cold, the frozen chosen, amen? That's our name, the frozen chosen. And so... But God's not dead. But if anyone comes out my way, I want to encourage you to come down with me. Every night is almost a sad night. You see the despair and the depths of just distress in people's lives. The other night I was, I was seeing a man on a bicycle just go right by me. 
had a hood on, and his face is all disfigured because of the amount of drugs that he was just consuming in his life. And it just broke my heart. And other situations that went on that evening, I can't even, I cannot even say here today, but I look at those people and I think, what are they missing? They're missing so much that we get to enjoy as God's people. And we undervalue this place, this secret place in our life, not actually placing uh, as a, a priceless um, avenue to where we can actually come to God. But it goes on, and he says, but thou, when thou prayest, meaning this word in the Greek, thou prayest, meaning that there's urgency and earnestness behind us actually coming to the Lord. You see, the Christian life is always about urgency. We just don't see it. But it's about urgency in our life. If we just look and open up our eyes and see the situation of society, which I want to say in a church like this, we understand it. But do we grasp the depths of it? That we have a solemn duty. If we were to just weep more, amen, in our prayer closet, what would God do in our nation today? So many times we're praying for saints to stay out of heaven and then sinners to stay out of hell. May the Lord help us. Because here God is designing this place for a certain reason. Because we all have urgent needs. Think about this. Turn to Isaiah chapter number 38. And I'm sure some of you here this evening have dealt with this. I know me and my own life I've dealt with situations of earnest need. Here in Isaiah 38, verse number 1, we see Hezekiah. In the days of Hezekiah, he was sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order. How would you like it if maybe some of you have experienced this? The doctor came in and said, Your time's about up. You got three days to live. Set your house in order because you're going home to the Lord. Reality sets in really quickly. Look at what, look at what his response is. Thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to, toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Oh my, I can place myself in his shoes this evening. I can think about what was going through his mind and his heart. He was a guy, a king that loved Jesus. And now he's about to die, exit this world. I can see him just turning there as he's dealing with his afflictions of life. And he's pouring out his soul and he says in verse number three, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. You see, it's in that secret place of, uh, that God has designed for us that we can bring our urgent needs to him. It could be a, a, fi a physical infirmity or affliction that we're dealing with, and God is bringing these things into our life so we can turn to him in a greater way. Not so we can be bitter at him, but actually so we can actually approach him. Too many times we get comfortable in life when everything is going well. We let God off to the sideline. It's unfortunate. And God brings these things into our life to draw us ever closer to him. We see another instance in 2 Kings. If you would, travel there with me. Chapter number 19. 2 Kings chapter number 19. Verse number 14. We find in Hezekiah, different situation. Received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. 
And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which thou hast sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the God, even thou only. Different situations of life. God is trying to draw us into that secret place. It doesn't matter what it may be. We can go to just our personal pursuit, just not persecution of life, but our personal pursuit. In um, Psalm 63, verse number 1, it says, I am thirsting for God. I'm hungering after God. I need something from God to see thy power that I've seen thee in the sanctuary. God, I'm longing for your presence. Do something in my life. You see, and it's this secret place that God is calling each and every one of us here this evening. It's just not something we go into like a 7-Eleven. We get what we want and we come out. This is not Burger King. You don't get it your way. God has an intent to actually speak to you and commune with you. Can you say tonight that you actually know him? I'm talking about know him. I'm not saying you have an intellectual assent of knowing about him. Literally experiencing God on a day-to-day basis. You ever wonder why in Genesis chapter number 5 where it says, And Enoch walked with God and he was not. You see, it was 65 years of his life until he started walking with God. So what did he do the first 65 years before he had Methuselah? You see, situations of life bring us to a point where we have to make a vital decision. That God wants to have fellowship with us. And it's not a superficial fellowship. It's not a fake facade. And I'm preaching myself tonight. Don't worry. Amen. I'm just not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. You see, God has something special for each and every one of us in this secret place. Yes, it comes from a personal pursuit. But I'm also reminded of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter number 14. I won't take the time to go there. But after much labor and work, what did our Lord do after he sent the disciples away? He went up into the mountain apart to pray. After great, after a great work was accomplished in Matthew chapter number 14, in the feeding of the 5,000, our Lord, yet, yes, being weary of the day, gave us a wonderful example. Go up into the mountain. Spend time with God. And every one of us needs to, including myself. Now there is a deception because here in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 6, he says, But thou, when thou prayest, meaning that it's for the disciple, and here that God is allowing us and showing us there, there are some duties here that we need to follow, praying unto him. Now he says there's the secret places demanding a choice. 
Because every one of us have a choice. We have a free will. And here in verse number 6 it says, enter into. You have a choice tonight to whether you're going to enter into this place or just constantly walk by it. What is it going to be? God wants us to enter in. It's designed for specifically us. It's our choice we have to make. And when we make this choice, it changes our perspective in life. I can't emphasize this point enough. There's been so many times in my life making a decision to move out to, for the, the God-forsaken land of New England. Right? To go help my father-in-law with no expectation of ever even becoming a pastor, just going to live with him. And just the things that overwhelm you and take place in your life, the physical difficulties that we've endured moving out there and things that happened in our family that we had to deal with um, physically and the physical needs that we had takes a toll on you and you have to come to a point in your life to where you see this place as a great privilege to enter into. And we all have to make this choice that's going to change our perspective of what we truly see about God. It's either that God is an all-sufficient God that's going to meet my need, or I'm going to continue to be self-sufficient in my life. See, because the, the very moment we neglect prayer in our life is the very moment we're saying, God, you're not good enough. And that's exactly it. God, you're not good enough. And so when we get so busy in life and we get overwhelmed with the, the schedules and the things that go on, and trust me, there's a lot that goes on in the ministry. I understand it um, in a better way now than I ever have. <laughs> Amen. And so you get pulled from all different directions. You have to make up your mind. This place is the most needful place I need to be. This is it. This is where my whole life in the ministry and the effectiveness that I have in this world is going to depend upon this place. It's a secret place. We have to make this choice where our perspective is going to change. But it's not only that. Our choice should direct us to, to the one who is able to sustain all of our needs. I mentioned it earlier, but turn to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Or chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Here, the apostle Peter admonishes us. And we know this. I know you know it. Verse number 6 says, humble yourselves. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. You see, it takes great humility to get to verse number 6 and 7. Because we can't actually claim verse 7 until we claim verse 6. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Meaning that you're going to have to thank him for your afflictions and persecution. Think about that. You're going to have to say thank you, God, for everything that has taken place in my life because I know it's for my good. And here we find it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, his sovereignty, that he may exalt you in due time. Look what it says. It's connecting verse number 6 to verse number 7 now. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We can't come into God's throne room full, full of pride. 
we come exactly as we are. Take a good look around briefly, if you would. Do me a favor. You know what you see? Sinful people. Saved by the grace of God. You know what you see? Brothers and sisters in Christ. And as God's people, we have a choice to understand, I need to cast my care upon him. Because I am feeble. I am so weak. We truly are. Our talents and our abilities are nothing. Are nothing. It's what God, God desires willingness. And if we're not willing to humble ourselves, to take all of our care unto him, the one, the savior of our soul, right? How can we experience him in a deeper way? You see, it's a choice we have to make that directs us to him to sustain us in all of our needs. And this is the glory of Matthew chapter number six. This is where I want to spend a little time, if you would. I don't have a watch on, so I guess I can go until I see someone starting to fall asleep, I guess. Amen? Who's falling asleep yet? But Matthew chapter number six. So we see this secret place is demanding a choice, but in verse number six, it says, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door... I want to emphasize this phrase because this secret place directs us into the storehouse of God. This is the glory of this portion of scripture. And the Lord revealed some wonderful truth from it. This word here in this word closet in verse number six actually means storehouse. Storehouse. I want you to think about something. Back in Jewish time, they had um, the regular Jewish home and the on the top of the roof is where they would walk around, but they had a, a special place to where they would go for private devotion, meaning what we would allude to as the secret place as the Lord is mentioning here, this closet, this secret closet that the Lord wants us to enter into. But as we find, and we can draw some wonderful truths from this word as we see it tonight, that God wants us to come into the storehouse. But in connection to this the closet, I want to show you this simply, really quickly, and I'll get to the point. When thou hast shut the door, you will never enjoy the storehouse until the door is shut. I want you to think about something. When you approach God, it's not, going back to verse number five, what other people see. God is never going to reveal his majesty, his power with the door open. He's just not going to do it. You see, you have to make the decision to go into this storehouse of God, this closet, to receive abundant blessings that only come out of his hand, which I'm going to share with you here momentarily. But the door has to be shut, meaning that you're going to have to get past your pride and say, well, it's all because of my prayer that this has transpired, amen? No, 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 no. The door has to be shut for God to bring the blessing or for you to enjoy what's in the storehouse that God has prepared for you. And this is what we find here. And what we find in God's wonderful storehouse, oh my, look at this, in Ephesians chapter number 3. I've been dwelling on this for a while. I thought the Lord was leading me in this direction, but he changed 
directions on this, but I want you to show, show you in verse number, Ephesians 3, verse number 17, this glorious truth that I've just been pondering on lately. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. We don't know what we think we know. We just don't. I've been reading a book. It's probably one of the best books I've read in a while by Octavius Winslow. It's called Personal Declension and the Revival of the Soul. Oh my, what an understanding. What an understanding he had of God's grace. My oh my, the depths. But here, the Lord is saying, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Comprehend what the Lord is trying to tell us here tonight, church. That God wants us to go deeper. God wants us to go longer. And God wants us to go higher in His love and in the knowledge of it. Amen? And that goes past all the superficial things that we know. That means we're going to have to get down to brass tacks and actually get real with God in this closet. There's no more just sugarcoating what we're doing. Well, yes, brother, I'll pray for you. And we don't even know what we're praying for. Amen? And we have all these prayer needs, the things that are going on. Well, I'm praying for revival. Well, are you weeping for revival? Amen? Are you in that prayer closet just pouring your heart out to God, saying, God, do something in my day? Oswald Smith once said, this generation can only reach this generation. So simple, but so profound. And how are we going to do it? More machinery? More methods? No, it doesn't work that way. It's entering into this closet that always gets it done. Every time. And here we find that we get to bathe ourselves truly in the storehouse of God's love. To know it in a more fuller way for the purpose of us being filled with all the fullness of God. The premier attribute of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is begging us to go deeper, longer, and higher. And it's found coming into the secret place. But also this. Turn with me to Galatians 5, 22. We see a valuable truth here. It's just not this attribute of God's love, but it's actually experiencing all the attributes of God as we find it. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love, joy, and peace is a direct relationship to our communion with God. Great peace have they which love thy soul, and nothing shall offend them. So if there's no peace presently in our life, it's because our relationship with God is waning. Meaning that we are declining from God, away from his presence, going after fleshly loves. Demas hath forsaken this world, having loved this present world. And so, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, if the love of this world is drawing us away from the love of the Father, that means our walk and our attributes of the love, joy, and peace are just not there. Let me ask you a question. Are you short with your spouse? I'm going to step on some toes tonight, a little bit. Can I meddle a little bit? 
Are you short with your spouse? Now, we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? And your spouse is your sister or your husband in the Lord. Are you short with them? Just have a temper? Something doesn't go right? Or they just don't do something right? You just yell at them really quickly? But would you do that to your brother or sister in the Lord? I don't think so. I don't think we would. Is there joy in serving Jesus tonight? Or is serving the Lord just become a duty or a drudgery for some? Do we have peace? Peace that passes all understanding? Or is our soul full of unrest? See, there's a lot of questions we have to ask. This year, our church theme is making Christ known. And the first area we need to make Christ known is in our soul. And it's a constant of making Christ known in our soul. Meaning that your soul radically needs to be changed every single day by the power of God. Because there are things deep inside you that you don't even see. You just don't see. I had an epiphany the other day. And sometimes I have these. But I was reading about the prodigal son. And we all understand the prodigal son and how he wasted all of his, all of his wealth on riotous living and with harlots, as his brother was saying in Luke. But I had an epiphany. What was in the prodigal son's soul was manifested at his rock bottom. But it was never just manifested in the father's house. It was held back. And what we need to understand is there's so much deep down in our soul that truly is never manifested until we actually come to our lowest part. And actually we get to see ourselves for what we really are. May the Lord help us. This is why God has to do a great work in our soul to change it constantly. But praise the Lord. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 8. See, in the storehouse, we just don't see God's love or his, his wonderful attributes that he bestows upon us. But we also find this. A storehouse for what God has for his children. Here in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 31, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We can say amen to that, right, church? Amen. amen. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see the context of that? That God in this wonderful storehouse, it doesn't matter what situation we're going in in life, God has something for us in this secret place, in this closet, and all we have to do is enter in and shut the door and pour out our soul into God, and he'll do the work. Because here in this verse, he says really plainly, he will also freely give us all things. Meaning that there's no limitation. How big is your God tonight? I want you to think about this. How big is your God tonight? I've been praying. I am landlocked in Medford, Massachusetts. We really have no parking. No parking at all. We have street parking. And it's becoming... A great ordeal, to say the least, with what's been going on downtown Medford. 
And so I've, I've been praying, Lord, give us a parking lot. When I started praying that, my people kind of laughed at me. What do you mean, Lord, give us a parking lot? Now, he hasn't given us a parking lot yet. But I'm still going to pray for it because I believe God's big enough to give us a parking lot. Amen? But how big is your God? Do you limit him? Is there situations in life, well, God, you can't do this. Well, I have cancer. Lord, you can't, deep down in our soul, Lord, you can't, you can't heal me of this. Or you can't help this person or bring this person to Christ. He's too far gone. Right? Whatever it may be. A wayward son, wayward daughter, whatever it may be. What is it for you tonight? We just give up on God. God, you can't do that. We limit him. But here in this portion of scripture, he says we have great treasure because in Christ there are riches that we just don't know of. And here he says he will freely give us all things. But this is the wonderful part if you go back to Matthew 5. As we follow direction from our God and actually get serious on this secret place in our life, he says in verse number 6, And when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Meaning that this secret place is where God truly displays his great power. This is it. Truly. God, in his wonderful mercy and grace, allows us to come and enter into the holiest of all. I want you to picture this, because going back to Matthew chapter number 10, the blood of Jesus Christ has paved the way for us to enter into that holiest of all. No one else, when they entered into the tabernacle, besides the high priest, got to witness the Shekinah glory or God coming down. But we get to witness God coming down in this secret place. If we actually truly get a hold of God, we're serious about this business. And this is the thing. Are you serious about it? Because this is where the power is unleashed. I've done a, lot of, a little studying. I, I won't say I'm an expert. I'm definitely not. But I've read a lot about revival. I have a lot of books in my library about revival. Revival on the island, island of Lewis. These two, these two older ladies, shut-ins, had infirmities, was concerned about the, what was transpiring in their little town off the coast of England. There was no interest among the young people about the things of God anymore. They're down at the public house, they're down at the dance house. And so, what did they do? They got the elders together and said, we need to pray. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, starting at 10 p.m., they said, we'll pray in our house, you pray wherever you're going to pray. Those men ended up praying in the barn. And they prayed God down. They prayed God down. One of them, one of the young elders, as he was praying, quoted Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, it tells us, if we're going to ascend, we have to have clean hands and a pure heart. A soul that's not lifted up in vanity, nor a sorns deceitfully, and he shall receive the blessing of God. And as he's saying, Lord, you are a covenant God. And you have to keep your promises. God started to work. The preacher came, Duncan Camel, arrived there around 9 o'clock. They went, actually took him all the way up to the church. Church meeting started at 10 o'clock. Imagine that, not knowing if the preacher's going to come, but they're going to hold a meeting, and the preacher ends up coming. Amen. When he said before, well, I'm not going to come. I have prior engagements. 
They just prayed him in. The two older ladies said, no, 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 he's coming. Make the meeting. He's going to come. And so he did. What happened? Out of nowhere, droves of these young kids just started coming into church. Droves. God swept through that whole area. People just crying on the side of the road, crying out for mercy. How do you think that happened? Because someone took the secret place seriously. Someone understood, if I'm going to get a hold of God, I'm going to have to wrestle with God. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And that's what we have to understand this evening. Let me show you in the New Testament. Don't look at me funny. Amen? I know I'm funny looking, but don't look at me funny. Let me show you some biblical truth here. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 23. You can make your way there. These things do take place today. Do we believe that revival can happen? Then we need to pray that revival can happen. If we believe a revival can happen, I believe a revival can happen. It just takes us getting out of the way and allowing God to move in. Here in verse number 23, after being beaten and reproved for their faith, here the apostles are lifting up their voice saying, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that they lifted up their voice to God and with one accord said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And for a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak the word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now look at the result. They're pouring their soul out to God of what has transpired. And now this is what God does. And when they have prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they are all filled with the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute. I thought they were filled in Acts chapter number 2. They need to be filled again. Amen? And he goes on, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were one heart, one soul, neither said any of them aught of the things which he had possessed was his own, but they had all things common. You see, it's when God moves greatly is when our heart is intact with heaven. And when we pour out our soul unto the Lord. This is what it is. It's sincere prayer that we lift up to God in heaven. It's just not the superficial prayers. It's just pouring our heart out to God. In Psalm 126 it says, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Meaning that there's a great work to be done, but there's much weeping to do to actually win the great prize. And each and every one of us need to. And not only that, the secret of the secret place is truly just to simply glorify God. Don't miss this simple thought. In John chapter number 14, we find in verse number 12, 
He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the work that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Can you imagine that Jesus Christ is giving final instruction to his disciples, saying, What you just have witnessed, and what you have seen me done these three and a half years, you're going to do greater things. Isn't that amazing? I think it is. This truth is, has been ground deep, deep in my heart. And he goes on and says that whatsoever ye shall ask, meaning lifting up our voice in prayer in my name, that will I do. Meaning that we have to be specific in our prayer life. For what purpose? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that's simply it. The reason why we go into the secret place is for the glory of God. The reason why we have communion with Him is for the glory of God that souls may know that He is the true God of heaven. And we're living in a society today where, especially out in my area, where they just make fun of you for so-called believing in Jesus. You're just a fool. No, you're a fool. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, he's, he has no God. It's showing your state of your soul. May the Lord help us that this secret place God has given us for a great refuge, but also a great privilege to know him in a deeper way. If you look across the page in John 15... Verse number 7. Actually, let's go up to verse number 5, if you would. You see, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Underline that expression, if you would, if it's not already. For without me you can do nothing. If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch... And is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty clear. It truly is. And he, he goes on and says this, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. And the evidence of it is, so shall you be my disciples. You want to know who a true disciple is? It's someone that's in their closet, that's bearing much fruit. Consider this, how much fruit are you bearing? I'm not talking about simple, simply the whole aspect of soul winning. That's one aspect. I understand, but how much fruit are you bearing in your life? To where one of your brothers and sisters in the Lord is dealing with something, you're brokenhearted over it. Where our Lord says, actually, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That you're so overwhelmed for them that you come along and be the burden bearer. That's actually bearing fruit. It's actually showing care. Christ doing good all to all men. That's actually being the witness God wants us to be. And this all comes from the secret place. Joseph Scriven was born in Ireland in 1820. He was educated at Trinity College in Dublin and was engaged to be married to his Irish sweetheart. Then tragedy struck. All, all preparations had been made for the wedding ceremony and the date had been fixed. But the day before the wedding, his promised bride was accidentally drowned and he was plunged into the deepest sorrow. 
When Joseph saw her body being taken from the water, he suffered shock, which was to stay with him the remainder of his life. Trying to escape then his immense sorrow, he went across to the, the ocean to Port Hope, Ontario, Canada. He put thousands of miles between his familiar Dublin home and the difficult memories it carried. Because he had a college education, Joseph found employment as a private tutor to the children of a wealthy family named Pingali. Joseph became a, a live-in tutor. He soon found a man who was to become his best friend, James Saxville. In 1855, Scribbins received word that his mother was seriously ill. Unable to be with her, he wrote a poem entitled, Pray Without Ceasing. He kept a copy of the poem in his desk drawer and put it out of his mind. Later on, Joseph fell in love the second time. He met a beautiful woman named Eliza Roche, daughter of Lieutenant Andrew Roche of the Canadian Royal Navy. Tragedy struck again. Three weeks before they were to be married, Eliza contacted tuberculosis and died. With these two tragic blows, Joseph determined to give himself to help others. The 25-year-old Scriven took a vow of poverty, sold all of his earthly possessions, and vowed to give his life to the physically handicapped and financially destitute. In 1886, 31 years later, his body was warned, his mind was weary with disappointment, and he was no longer living with the Bengali family. His friends, James Saxville, took him to live with himself and care for him. Joseph was very ill and wanted to, his friend James to write down his last will and testament. James went to Joseph's desk to get a piece of paper and a pen and found the poem that Joseph has sent to his mother so long ago. He said, where did you get this poem? Joseph told him that it was a poem that he wrote for his mother before she died. Joseph said, the Lord and I did it between us. The poem was, what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. How much value are you placing on this secret place? Joseph Scriven understood so much to write this beautiful hymn that we sing today. Do we actually experience the friend we have in Jesus in this avenue of prayer? Let's pray.